You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. this morning to share with you, and uh, I'd like to take you to a portion of Scripture in the Gospel, the Gospel of John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories. I love the woman in the Bible, the stories of the woman, and this is the woman, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and uh, I'm going to go through the Scriptures uh, quickly. You can read it yourselves. Chapter 4, and verse 4, it says, Jesus with his disciples came to a town in Samaria, and they were thirsty. They got to Jacob's well, and they met a Samaritan woman there. And Jesus asked the woman. She was drawing water for the for the uh, livestock. And Jesus asked her, "said Will you give me a drink?" Now Jesus is asking her a question, but it's a loaded question. Jesus is. Uh, you always have to ask what is what is behind the question. What is what is Jesus asking? Why is he asking? He's thirsty, but he has an agenda. And uh, often the same thing with you and I. And so he says, will you give me a drink? And she says, well, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you ask me? Because though they didn't mix. Samaritans didn't mix with Jews at all. In fact, Jews would go right around Samaria. They wouldn't go through Samaria. So it was an unusual thing. And uh, he asked her for a drink. And uh, Jesus answered her. He says, if you knew the gift of God, this is verse 10, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay, this is Jesus talking. And then she carries on, and verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. The water that she is drawing from the well for him. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And that's for those of us that have been saved, we know that. Jesus has filled me. I try to fill my life with many things. I was uh, just a very adventurous, can I say that, a v- adventurous young man. I tried everything that you could possibly find to fill this thirst, this unquenchable thirst in my inner being. Literally, everything that I could find, I would, you know, nobody pointed me to Jesus. Nobody told me about Jesus. And I had this incredible thirst and I just was grasping and latching and looking for things to quench. When I came to Jesus, it was the most incredible thing. This craving was immediately satisfied. I didn't have to search any longer for validation or man's approval or I didn't have to search any longer. I had found, and that became a spring. And so, you know, when, when I even stand here. It's incredible that I have the privilege to stand before you. If you know my past, you wouldn't want me to be standing here. It's a true story. I disqualified myself, but he qualified me. And uh, when I stand here as well, looking at my children, because, you know, most of my life, people said to me, you will amount to nothing. You will never achieve anything. You are rubbish. And I am still rubbish. But he makes something out of rubbish. And I just want to apologize for Thursday night. I said a few things maybe I shouldn't have said. And I maybe say a few things that I shouldn't say today. You know, I don't do it on purpose. If I offend you, I apologize in advance. I never try and offend. It just comes naturally to me, unfortunately. 
unfortunately. But I really I need to apologize for Thursday, Thursday night if I offended you or and if I offended you this morning. I really didn't mean it in any way. But anyway, this living water, let's get back to the scriptures. So, so she says to him, verse 50, she says, sir, sir, give me this water that I won't be thirsty. And then he asks, he, he gives an incredibly strange statement. He says to her, she asks for this water. She says, go and call your husband and come back. Okay. She says, I have no husband. And he says, you are right, verse 18 almost. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you, are now, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. This is incredible. Jesus had a word of knowledge, and so he tells her, he reads her mail, in a sense. And then they have a, a discussion around Jesus coming and the Messiah coming and where people should worship. And we drop down to verse 28, and it says there, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they continue, talks about Jesus uh, eating, etc. Verse 39, the last verse I want to read. Uh, she goes back to her town, and it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So let's have a look at this portion of Scripture. Let's unpack it because it's, it's relevant to you and I and to those that are seeking. Maybe this morning you, you are seeking. You don't even know that you're thirsty for the real, eternal, divine, living water. Or maybe... You are a Christian, and how does this apply? Well, let's have a look at that. And maybe if you are hopefully gospel-centered and you want to be reaching, you know, reaching those that don't know Christ, and that should be all of our, the expectation should, is on all of us. The command is on all of us. Go and make disciples. Every one of us should be reaching our family, our friends, our neighbors, and our colleagues. Every one of us. If we are not doing that, we are lazy Christians. You see, if I haven't offended you up until now, I just have. We don't, you know, I, we can be very straightforward in, uh, in, uh, in the church that I lead because I lead the church. And I say to, to the church, if you're, not, if you're not reaching out to non-Christians, you are lazy. And we don't have room for lazy Christians at Four Ways Community Church. But I would never say that, yeah, because I wouldn't want to offend you. And I'm a guest in your nation. But the Bible does say that all of us need to be reaching out. So you can take that and do what you need to do with it. Jesus said. Anyway, this woman, we don't know her name. We don't know her age. But it's the longest one-on-one -on -one conversation that Jesus had that's recorded in Scripture. It's a hot day. He's tired. He asks her, will you give me a drink? Jesus crossed many barriers. He crossed, firstly, the cultural barrier. The Samaritans and the Jews didn't mix. He crossed that barrier. We need to do that. I come from South Africa. I was born in South Africa. My wife was born in Denmark, which is in Europe. And, you know, I needed a wife, so I imported her from Denmark. And uh, not true. Jesus sent her to, for me. He knew what I needed. But I grew up in a, in a nation that separated um, now, you see, I have to be very careful with you Americans because I don't know what's culturally acceptable or not, but I'll speak from my culture, okay? In my culture, we have what we call whites and what we call blacks, okay? We, we name each other like that. That's a very culturally accepted. 
And when I grew up, when I was a young boy, blacks and whites were separated. It was part of the law. However, God's redeemed us as a nation. And we as a church, we are very multiracial, multicultural, multi-generational church, and we celebrate the diversity. We need to be crossing cultural barriers. When last did you have somebody of a different race in your home for a meal? You know, many white South Africans have never had a black person in their home. Many black people have never had a white person in their home. And so we encourage the church, invite somebody that is different to you. Jesus led us, and I want to, I don't know how you guys operate, but maybe you could do that too. He crossed a gender barrier. I know there's a lot of confusion around gender, and I should not even have said that, and I apologize, but there seems, there seems, there just seems to be a lot of confusion around gender. But let me just say this, Jesus crossed the gender barrier because men and women in churches in those days, women were one side, men the other side. We need to, we need to celebrate our difference. My wife is a woman, and I <laughs> am a man, okay, and I'm not going anywhere to relax, I'm not going there, but all I'm going to say is that we are equal, we are equal in the eyes of God, in dignity, value, and worth, however, we are different, we have different roles, and we can celebrate our difference at the same time honor equality amen on that subject move on <laughs> terry can deal with that for you i'm not here to deal with that he also he was a rabbi and he's talking to a woman of a very subject uh, suspect reputation. She had had five husbands, and the man she was with now was not her husband, so she was living in adultery. And Jesus, he, he breaks the hierarchical barrier. He was a rabbi, and he engages her. I love that. We don't have hierarchy in our, in our place. That's why I said to these guys, they're just normal guys. He, he, he's just a normal guy, him and Sandy. There's no hierarchy. He's no more special than you and I. He just has a different role. In our church, I have a different role. I'm just like everybody else. We're all the same. I don't glow in the dark. I don't have a big throne at home, you know, and that kind of thing. Sometimes we look at pastors around the world and we wonder if they do glow in the dark, you know, because they are so high and mighty, but uh, not yet. So anyway, we'll look at a few things this morning. The first is Jesus offers her hope. Hope, friends. You know, I want to be that Christian that every day I consider the hope that Jesus has given me. You know, if I look at my sinful past and I accumulate all those sins, there is no hope for me. I couldn't buy my salvation. I couldn't earn it. And I certainly didn't deserve it. But Jesus offered me his grace and salvation freely and I wake up with gratitude every single day that I can get 
to call Jesus Christ my Lord, not on what I had done or have done or not done, but because of what he has done. Isn't that amazing? We shouldn't take our salvation for granted. Even the Bible says, celebrate your salvation. He offers her hope. Now, she may have thought he's just another man that wanted something from her. Now, I don't know how you view this lady. She had had five husbands. The one she was with now was not her husband. Have you judged that woman? Possibly. What kind of woman is this? She can't keep her marriage together. She's had five husbands and now she's in adultery. We don't know the whole story. It's a sad story, but let's not take her as the bad person here. Where, what about the men? How, they could have mistreated her. We don't know. We don't know. And so all I want to say about Jesus offering a hope is that Christianity is not about doing anything. It's about receiving something. And that something is a person, Jesus Christ. He gives her hope. What hope do you need this morning? You might be a Christian here. You need hope. You need to be reminded of hope. You may, you may be a non-Christian here. I don't know. I can't see who's a Christian. You can raise your hands in the air. You can sing songs. You can quote scripture. I can't see into your spirit. I don't know if your spirit's been regenerated. Do you know if you're saved? If you truly had the born again experience? If you haven't, then let's pray for you at the end of this meeting that you would encounter Christ and become a born again Jesus follower. He gives her hope. She had no hope. Men had abused. Maybe he, she viewed Jesus as just another man that wants to take something from her. Possibly. He gave her hope. A wonderful story is, a, is this man in our church. He hasn't been for a while, but we're hoping he comes back. He came for three years. He was a very famous man in South Africa. He played football, soccer. He played soccer for the national team. He's a big guy, six foot two, good looking, strong like me. No, no. He was about 120 kilograms, which is about 200 and something pounds of pure muscle. And he comes into the life of the church. He gets saved, born again. But he had a very bad past and, in fact, bad present. As in our church, but he was the number one road rage advocate in South Africa. If you look at him on the road, he wants to get out of his car and come and beat you up. That's what happens, unfortunately, in South Africa. I believe that happens in Denver too. <laughs> anyway, the story goes like this. So he gets saved. He comes into our church. He gets banned from all the, the gyms, the personal gym facilities in the whole of Johannesburg. Because he's always fighting with people. I don't know. He's just one of, he's, he's crazy. God's working on him. So he gets banned. Anyway, the, the, this, this gym that we go to is called Virgin Active Gym. And my wife and I go there and he's banned from there because he caused trouble with somebody. And we were sitting in a coffee shop downstairs. He went to the hearing where they expelled him. And then he comes to look for us because he knows where he comes to look for us. And he gives us all the excuses as to why he was banned. 
there's no excuses. He was guilty. Anyway, so he's just feeling bad because we're you know, the pastor of the church and what, and he's talking to us and sitting, and he, and he gets up and he walks away and he puts his head down and he, he kind of walks with shame. This is a, 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 a celebrity, a famous soccer player. He's got every, got the money and he walks away with us, from us with, with shame. And my wife looks at him and she says to me, he's just a little boy. He's just a little boy. Lost little boy. It's true. I came to church, I think it was the next Sunday, and I was preaching on forgiveness. And we, at that time, had two meetings, eight and ten. And I think you should go, two meetings. Makes room for more people. Jesus wants you to do that. Amen. I prophesied. <laughs> it's amazing how preachers can just say that. I prophesied, and then we say, yeah, okay, Jesus said. That's not true. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is that he came to this meeting and I'm, he came to the eight o'clock and I'm preaching about forgiveness. He comes to me with, whenever we, let me just say this, whenever we used to sing, he wouldn't sing. And he came to me, you know, after being in the church for a few months to say, you know, there's something wrong with me. This is this big, strong, muscular, kind of Tim Tebow kind of size man. Sorry, I had to throw a Tim Tebow there. Oh, you guys know who he is? Okay, okay. <laughs> Can I tell you another story? Okay, I'm going to get back to that story. But Tim Tebow, I don't know if you knew this. Tim Tebow, if I pronounce it right, just got engaged to a South African girl. A, a member of our church. He's a very famous musician. His name is, what's his name again? <laughs> his name is Matthew Mole. Tim Tebow f flew him over to play at the surprise engagement Party. Don't you think that's quite cool? From our church. So we're famous. <laughs> Getting back to my friend. So he says, whenever I sing, this is, there's something wrong with me. Whenever I open my mouth and sing, I want to cry. I said, there's nothing wrong with you. That's the Holy Spirit ministering to you. Open your mouth and cry. Be a man. He said, well, I was taught that, you know, I knew some people from Denver and they said, cowboys don't cry. So I said, you ain't no cowboy. You know? Anyway, he said, I'm going to come back to the next meeting. I need to come back in here. He had so much hope. The story, I tell you that story just to share with you. He was given hope. He had done so many wrong things, but Jesus gave him hope. And that could be you this morning. You could be a Christian and you've messed up your life. You've messed up your marriage. You've messed up with your children. You've messed up everywhere. Jesus wants to give you hope this morning. Amen? He's a God of hope. There's new mercy today. There's new mercy every day. He doesn't look at our sin. He washes us of our sin. He died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. I want to say praise God, hallelujah, every day because of that. You might not even know that you're really thirsty today. Maybe you've tried Many husbands yourself or many wives. Maybe you've gone down the, the path of every bottle and every pill. And maybe you've sold your soul to gain finances and possessions. But you're still thirsty. It's not, nothing wrong to be thirsty. It's good to be thirsty. But where are you drinking from? Are you drinking from the toilet of this culture? Or are you drinking from... The fountain of heaven. Because many people are drinking from the toilet. I'm sorry to 
be so graphic, but it's disgusting. You know what happens when you drink from the toilet? You get sick because the culture that we live in is, is sick and delusional and lost their brains. Well, according to me, we need to be drinking living water. And this woman, she finds the only source to satisfy ourselves so that we can really, really live. It portrays, she portrays a wonderful picture of this thirst of our soul. All humans share, but few come. Few come. Jesus said, I'll give you water. When you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. You see, he said to her, if you knew this gift, if you knew this gift, you wouldn't reject it. I remember the first time I walked into a church like this. I grew up as a, as a Catholic. Uh, my, my folks were Catholic, and uh, it's just a reality. I got nothing out of the Catholic church. It's just Maybe it was me. I'm the problem. But I got nothing out of the church. I didn't meet Jesus it was dead and boring as a young man growing up in the Catholic Church. And maybe once again it was me, but that's the reality. I didn't find God there, didn't sense God there, but I, my friend invited me to a church like this. And I thought, and he was begging, 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 nagging, nagging, nagging. I thought, just to get rid of this guy, let me come to church so that he won't ask me again. He's irritating me. Let me get rid of the guy. I went to church. Guess who was preaching? My wife's father. Isn't that amazing? And as he is preaching, it's like he's, as he's preaching to me. I'm at the back there, and I, I'm hungover because I was at a nightclub before. You remember, I, you know, that was my church. Nightclubs was my church. And now I'm in the church there to satisfy my friend. Her father's preaching. And as he's preaching, it's like the Spirit of God is coming through him right into my soul. And as he's speaking, I'm leaning into this, this gift this water that's flowing out of him, I'm leaning into it, and I'm like drinking, literally. I left the church that Sunday, and I said, I have to go back the next Sunday, regardless if my friend invites me or not, regardless if he's even there. I'm going to go back. The next Sunday, I went back to this church, and a man by the name of Cliff Dicicini was preaching. And through the halfway through his sermon, I'm not halfway, I'm more than halfway, but halfway through his sermon, he says, he stops and he says, somebody needs to respond to the gospel. And I stood up. Now, I don't, I'm unchurched. I don't know the, the protocol, the etiquette. I know nothing. I just stand up and say, it's me, sir. And I was quite like, you know, should I say that? Should I not say that? Yes, it's me, sir. Everybody turns around and looks at me. It's like, have I done something wrong? I just know I need to respond. You know, I don't care what you, what you think. I was, I was thinking this. I didn't say it, but I'm thinking this. I don't care what you all say. I don't care what you all think. I need that. He calls me to the front. And then he calls another man to pray for me. Guess who that man was? Her brother. You don't tell me God is sovereign. I thought it was a conspiracy. Her father, her father's preaching when I, when I like respond. The week before, her brother leads me, and then she marries me, you know? It's like, hey, I'm surrounded, yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. When you encounter this gift, you cannot resist it. 
I want to say this to you this morning. You need to be inviting your friends and your family and your neighbors and your colleagues to this place where there's anointed worship, where there's hopefully anointed preaching, hopefully where the Spirit of God is and He can speak to those people that you invite. Can you imagine going to heaven without your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your family? Can you imagine that? I don't want to go. I've got a brother with his wife and three little daughters. And I don't think they're saved. You, well, I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. I don't think they're saved. I want to see them saved. He never used to visit our church. A, th- a few years ago, he came for the first time. He was sitting over there. He came for Christmas. He just come to Christmas. He, he's sitting over there. And then at the end of the meeting, most meetings we do in what they call an altar call. You know, of course, you know what that is. And like I'm saying, does anybody want to respond to Christ? And I'm looking over there, but my eyes looking at my brother. And I don't want him to see, but I'm looking and he's not responding. So I'll just, I'll just do it again and again and again. It's like, brother, why don't you respond? You know, it's just because I want to see him saved. Friends, we need to ask God to arrest our souls. I'm going to come to an end very soon. But I just want to say this, that Jesus, he reminds her of her past. He's not afraid. He reminds her, he says, yes, you have had five husbands and the man you're living with is not your husband. He shows her. And this is how he presents the gospel to sinners. He doesn't hide her sin. He shows her, he rebukes her, but it's gentle. It's gentle, friends. And it gives her hope. I think we write too many people off very quickly. We've got a lady in our church who came and uh, she got saved in our church. And very soon after she got saved, another man came into the front of the church. His name is Charles. He's very prophetically motivated. And he gave a prophetic word. He said, there's a lady in the church here. This is what the picture that the Lord has shown me. And you've had an abortion. Yeah, I'm touching all these hot topics. I mean, I'm just... I'm not trying to. You see, it comes naturally. I just want to touch it. He says, you've had an abortion, but God wants to tell you that he forgives you and loves you, and you need to forgive yourself. She comes at the end of the meeting. She comes up to me and Susanna. She says, that was me. I've never forgiven myself. Tears streaming down her face. You see, Jesus, whatever sin you've committed, Jesus will be gentle with you. He'll rebuke you but he'll be gentle. We need to learn a little bit there. We are so judgmental at times. I know I am. Maybe not you, but I know I am. Then he also shows us that he sees everything. Friend, you can't hide. Stop running. Stop hiding. Honestly, he says to her, you've had five husbands. He knows. He sees. You and I can pretend. We can pretend with one another. We can put a wonderful facade on. And we can dupe one another. But not him. He knows, friend. Stop running. Some of you, I feel the Lord's telling me this. This is from the Lord this morning. Stop running and stop hiding. Let him encounter you and wash you and cleanse you and encourage you and give you hope. So she ran to the town she was from. Remember it said there. She went back to her town. Many Samaritans got saved because of her testimony. She was the first female evangelist recorded in Scripture. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? She was the first 
person that Jesus ever revealed himself to as Messiah. Now just listen, just think of this. She's the first person that Jesus revealed himself to as Messiah. You would think it would be some religious person. He takes a woman who's been divorced, married and divorced five times, living in adultery. This is who he reveals himself to. Isn't Jesus amazing? Who would we, who would we reveal ourselves to? The president of a country, the prime minister of a country, the queen, the king. This is who I'm the, I'm the Messiah. He goes and he reveals himself to a woman of suspect reputation. It's beautiful. Let me close with this story. I would like to pray for some of you this morning. Those of you that maybe haven't crossed the line of faith. Maybe there's one or two or more. I don't know. If there's, if there's no one here this morning that uh, hasn't crossed the line of faith, can I say something to offend you? Can I? Yes. You said yes, and that's cool. I only need one yes. If there's no one in this meeting that's never crossed the line of faith, let that be the last time. Honestly, honestly, what are we doing? No, no, I'm not, I'm trying to be nice. Are we here to reach people for Christ or do we want to just enjoy him for ourselves? Come on, friends. So if you are here and you haven't crossed the line of faith, we're gonna pray. Please, would you respond? Respond. Then maybe I'll pray for some of you to get boldness. And to get an anointing upon you that you will go out and not in a weird way, but in a Christ-like way, you can share your, the gospel story with others. You know, we see people saved all the time. And it's not because I'm a good preacher. You know that I'm not a good preacher. Okay? And I know. But we trust God to touch people. We know that God wants to save people. And you know what? We have that expectation. We have that faith. People get saved. So we had this little Afrikaans boy. Now, I don't know if you know the different nationalities in South Africa, but Afrikaans is one of the cultures. This little Afrikaans boy used to come to church, sit at the back there. His name was Andres. And then the one Sunday, after a few months, he brought his girlfriend, Katia. And he's sitting there with Katia. Then we get to know him. He, in fact, uh, engaged her and asked us to do the wedding, and which, which we did. Then after a few months, Katya invited her brother, Chris, to church. So Chris comes to church and he starts to love it. He invites his cousin, Marius, Gina. He invites his cousin, Gina, to church. She comes with her husband, Marius. They come to church. This is how, this is how the gospel spreads. So Marius and Gina are loving the church. Gina invites her auntie Nadia to church. And auntie Nadia comes with her daughter, Natalie. They love the church. Next Sunday, Natalie brings her boyfriend, Antonio. Italianos. They are Greek. He's Italian and others are Greek. So Antonio comes. He loves the church. He tells his family, his mother, Desi, she wants to come and check me out. So she comes with her daughter Claudia and her other son Stefano. They love the church. 
So they go back. Now the father, Desi's husband, Antonio's father, Sava, he wants to know what is going on here. These people are loving the church. So Sava comes to check us out. He loves the church. Then Sava and Desi invite Desi's sister Jenny to the church. She comes with Federica, Stefania, Stefania, and uh, Rosanna, the three girls, to church. They love the church. They bring the husband, the father, Paolo, who's a Catholic, doesn't really do church. They love the church. Desi and Jenny have a brother. His name is Luca. Luca and his wife, Lucia, they come to the church. And they bring uh, Christina and Theo, their children. Then, yeah, yeah. Then, because this is how the Greeks work. The Greeks come in a tribe. Then, they love the church. They bring their friend, Maria, the tall Greek lady. Maria come. She loves the church. She brings her daughter, Crystal, and her son, Raphael. And he brings his wife, Andrea. Okay, I'm going to stop there now. I can give you story after story after story of how one person came and now there's 20. How one person came and now there's 10. How one person came and now there's 30. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Just reach one. When one of those people get radically changed by Jesus, you don't have to teach them how to share the gospel. They will just share. Maybe I want to just leave that with you and encourage you with that. Now that's family. Those, that whole family there, how many people did I mention there? Maybe close to 20 people. They are walking evangelists. They invite everybody. I haven't even given, there's a, there's a whole other, maybe another 10 people I haven't told you about. And that's one story. Let's pray. Can we do that? Could I ask you to stand? Is that all right? Are you thirsty? Jesus said, Come. Jesus said, come. Could I ask you to just position yourself in an attitude of prayer? I don't know what that looks like for you. But I ask you to lean into Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never crossed the line of faith, or otherwise you're not sure, I would be privileged to pray for you. And if you're here and you say, Tony, would you pray for me? I, I like people to respond in, in faith to Jesus, not to me. It would be wonderful if you said, Tony, please pray for me. Would you lift your hand up so I could see if there's anyone here in this place? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else want to respond to the gospel, to Jesus? Maybe you're in this place and you, you said, Tony, I want to have more boldness and confidence, and I need power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. I'm, I'm a little shy, but would you pray for me that God would anoint me to share the gospel? If that's you, yeah, would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many of you, awesome, awesome. You know, I believe when you respond like that, God's gonna, He's gonna meet your faith. Huh? Hey, Tris, He's gonna meet your faith. 
why don't we, if you're happy, if you're comfortable, would you raise your hands with me before God? Not, not for me, for God. And we just say, Lord Jesus, we, we, we Lord, this, this wonderful gentleman now that responded, I don't know if he's just recommitting his life to you, but Lord, you see that. And I, I honor that. I want to honor that. And thank you for this man that responded. Father, meet him where he's at. He, he wants more of you. That's why. And you will meet him. And Lord, the rest of us that have our hands up, we're asking, would you anoint us? Would you give us boldness? Would you give us wisdom so we can reach our family and our friends, our neighbors and our colleagues with a wonderful gospel? Father, we can't do it with our cleverness, our theology. or We want to do it with the power of your spirit. We want to know what to say and when to say. Father, our hands are up, and I pray, Lord, that as we've put our hands up before you, you see that, and you're going to meet us, and you're going to anoint us and prepare us. You're going to bring people. We ask that you bring people along our path, people that we can share the love of Christ with. And, Lord, we pray for a harvest, and we pray that Redemption City Church will, will be full because of these people that we will reach that will come in because of the gospel that changes their lives and they cross the line of faith. Lord, bless this church, I pray. Bless the precious people. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity I've had to share with these precious people here. Bless them, Lord. Bless their marriages. Bless them individually. Bless their businesses. Bless them in everything. Reveal yourself to them in a greater way. Lord, I pray for uh, Terry and Sandy and the leaders and, and the whole church that, that your spirit would pour out and this church will, uh, will encounter revival and many people will be saved. And if I ever get invited back, Lord, I'll get to meet some of those people that got saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Eh? See, wasn't that wonderfully stirring? You know, the, the word that God gave us, we reference this often, but the word that God gave us in the transition from Ty Nicole to Sandy and I four years ago was this. Will you allow me to show you what I can do through a church that truly loves broken people? It was the question that God asked us. We've said, yes, Lord. But there's something about what Tony has shared with us this morning that is stirring and reminding us, refocusing us on that question that God asked us and our response. And that I love the, the, the challenge from Tony that that thing of us allowing God to show us what He can do through a church that truly loves broken people is not simply here about Sunday morning, but it's about us being that church through the week. It's about us taking the opportunities that God sets before us to share the gospel, to share the love of Christ, to encourage, to invite, to give hope to a world that sometimes says very little hope. Very, very stirring, very, very encouraging. Thank you, Tony and Susanna. Thank you guys for helping us this morning, leading us in worship. God bless you guys.